It's good. All right, just a, um, before we get into it, how about we give our band just a great hand? Look at them go. Um, just a couple of things, and um, then we'll get into it. And um, we are going to be in Mark chapter 1, as you probably would have guessed. Um, is anyone not here last week? Like last week and this week's kind of an introduction. So if you missed last week at the podcast, I did actually try to do a little recap on um, social media. And um, I know some people don't like social media. The thing with social media is, um, you, this is a trick with social media. You have to use social media and not have social media use you. That's the trick, which means you need to be aware of the plan, what, what, what they purpose for it. Um, so we're, we're all for using it and not having it use us. Anyway, um, just a couple of things before we go into it. Just um, from my end, maybe speaking on behalf of the staff, um, I know, like, I see, like, um, the staff actually um, on the worship team and all that. And I know from personal experience, uh, really good um, if you've got some things pertaining to their weekend job. Um, if you can email them and they'll get to it on the weekend. Like, you'll get to it on Tuesday, Tim. All right. Um, but we'll just free them up to be worship leading and hosting. Is that okay? Everyone's like, oh. <laughs> you just need to know, they actually have to put up with me. They've only had me for two weeks, so they're still getting used to that. Um, but I just noticed um, on, a, on a Sunday, if, if we have things pertaining to a weekend, if we can just email and they'll get onto it, don't worry, I'll make sure they get onto it. And also, this Tuesday, we have our um, combined rehearsal um, for our worship team, our sound guys, our media guys, and that's going to be really good. They start before us, as there you go. Um, so I'm going to be with you guys, so it's good. So I encourage you, bring your Bible, bring your notebook, um, and that's pretty much what you're going to get from me every time, like bring your Bible, bring your notebook, and um, we're going to just um, start this year off really well, and also just give a little bit of understanding and meaning as to what we actually are doing um, when we come and we serve on a Sunday. Is that okay? Yeah. Beautiful. And do you guys like my little timeline here? My father-in-law, do you know how many books are on this timeline right now? Make a guess. There are 66 books, right? 66 books of our canon of Scripture, which are placed on the time frame and the timeline of salvation history, the story of God. And what's really intriguing is to actually know where each of these books fit because I get confused as to where they fit in a storyline. And when, if I don't know where they fit in a storyline, that confuses me to no end. So this will be the last week where I'll be here. So I encourage you, if you're intrigued, come up here and... Have a look. I know um, I managed to get Steve to get you guys to do the Bible course last year. Um, I've been trying to get that to all churches, um, but Steve actually was one of the wise ones. Um, but that's okay. Are you guys ready to go? Yeah. Okay, we're going to have a short recap from the Bible, um, the Bible course. We'll go for about a minute, and then we're going to go into this. So, media guys, how about you hit play and let's look to the screen. All right, I have no idea what's happening there. <laughs> Is what? Doesn't matter. Forget about the movie. <laughs> oh, I was trying to... I'm too impatient. There we go. Okay. 
to the promised land. Then various judges and kings rule over Israel. But the nation soon divides in two. And despite warnings from the prophets, Israel is conquered and deported. In exile, they lament their loss. But soon, they get to return and rebuild. And then they run. Finally, the promised Messiah comes. Jesus is born. He lives a sunny life, dies on a Roman cross, and is raised back to life. He sends the Holy Spirit to empower God's people to bring hope back to the world. The last book of the Bible shows how the story will end. Back at the tree of life, paradise lost is Beautiful. Who's actually done the Bible course? The Bible Society UK done Bible course. I saw this. I actually went through the Bible course. I tested it out with our young adults, all right? Bunch of 18, 19, up to 22. The very first session, we were going through that, and their eyes just went bing, and everything went click, 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 click. And I thought to myself, aha, uh -huh. if it works with them, it'll actually work with anyone. They were like my test case. I have actually not found a course as good as this to actually get Christians engrafted into the story of God. And that is our great challenge, especially in this world in which we live right now, which is rampant with secularization. The great challenge that we have as followers of Jesus Christ is to be engrafted into the story of God. Funnily enough, it is our story, and a lot of us don't know our story. So this is one of the best things um, that I've seen. So that is why I've been trying to get that into every church I can see. Uh, and I have a relationship with, and um, you will actually see that we are using this in our first and second week. So I'm going to pray, we're going to get into it, and we're going to learn about John the Baptist today. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to open up Holy Scripture. Father, I ask that you would come and that you would speak, that you would illuminate our hearts and our minds. Holy Spirit, come and speak. Even as we just walk through Scripture, I ask that you would speak specific things to our hearts, that you would bring answers. Father, I pray that we would leave this place with more equipping and greater empowerment to actually be your witnesses in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And someone said, Amen. 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 Well, I don't know about you, but I hate loose ends. A couple of years ago, I went to a movie and I paid good money because you have to pay good money for movies these days. <laughs> Incredible. Um, <laughs> I won't tell you about our recent movie stuff, but a couple of years ago, I went to this movie, paid good money. It was a really anticipated movie. I think it was one of the Avengers movies. Don't judge me. All right. Anyone like the Avengers? Ah, you're in church and you admitted that. There you go. Um, the thing was, I was actually, I walked out of there and I was just bitterly disappointed. So disappointed. And it wasn't the acting that was bad or boring. It wasn't even the videography. It was, it was fantastic, actually. The thing that actually left me disappointed is that it was a movie that was open-ended. You know those movies, don't you? They just bring you to a point and they just leave you hanging because they want more money from you, so you come back and actually, cunning plan, and it works every single time. <laughs> I was disappointed, you know? I was like, I, was, I, I needed, like, I needed ends tied and there were loose ends and I paid I paid money good money to go sit down and watch something that's not finished like oh my goodness so I am a human and I struggle with loose ends as you can pick up maybe I struggle more than some other people I love ends tied loose ends are generally things that we don't deal too well with um, have you ever um, come to a story and seen it 
it's not finished. I, I really struggle with that. Have you ever met someone and they're like in this relationship, but it's kind of come to an end, but it's not really in the end. And you actually, are you guys together or are you not? It's like they go around this perpetual circle and they're actually destroying their lives. There's no flourishing at all, but they seem content. Just keep going around and around because the ends are not tied. You know anyone like that? If you are in that kind of relationship, can I suggest to you one way or the other, tie those ends. It is not good for you. <laughs> What about a business arrangement um, that isn't closed off? We just need loose ends tied. And I found in my own life that I tend to get a little bit stressed out if ends are not tied, if, if, if this thing lingers for a week, for a month, for a year, how about a decade? Hey, get this. How about 400 years of loose ends not tied? Well, this is exactly where we find Israel as we're digging into Mark chapter 1. They have had 400 years living in an unfinished, unsatisfied, unfulfilled, broken story. Now, that's going to stress you out, right? 400 years. I mean, what are you complaining about now? <laughs> 400 years. And as a result, you can, you can expect, as a result, they are looking for and they are straining for a satisfying conclusion. Because you don't just want a conclusion, you want a satisfying conclusion, don't you? And after 400 years, I'd be expecting you really want to do that. In fact, it's even worse than this, because not only are they waiting for the completion, for the conclusion of a story which they are currently living in, it even gets worse than that, because the very last thing that God said to them before he kind of shut his mouth and gave them the silent treatment is found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. Just listen to the very last thing that you hear from God <laughs> before he actually like, keeps his mouth shut. Has anyone actually got the silent treatment from anyone before? Husbands, do not raise your hand right now. <laughs> that is not going to bode well for you. <laughs> but can you imagine God giving you the silent treatment? This is the very last thing that he said, okay? He said, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day that the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts fathers to their children and the hearts of their children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. I mean, could you imagine that ringing in your ears for 400 years? Not only are you straining and searching and, and, and stretching for the completion, a satisfying completion for a story in which you're now in, the very last thing God says, oh, by the way, I'm sending Elijah before I come, and his preaching is actually going to turn hearts, but here's the deal. If hearts do not turn, I'm going to come, I'm going to strike your land. Uh, Say so what? 400 years. This is where we find Israel. And I think that part of our challenge is that we need to try and put ourselves into the narrative. So to try to imagine, it's very difficult for us to imagine this, living in um, a safe place like Australia, um, as we, we have the benefit and the blessing of Australia right now. But imagine you're a really oppressed people. You're a slave um, people. The highlight of your story was a point in the past, which was the Exodus, and we all know the Ten Commandments and all that, and we know God's mighty deity came and done all this incredible stuff. The lowest point of your story is exile, which we talked about last week. 
Um, the lowest part of your people is, is just a place of absolute darkness and despair. And it's in the place of exile that God starts to speak again, where he says, you know what, even now, this is like the, the darkest point of your time right now, but I am going to actually do something new. In fact, if you recall what I did with Pharaoh and the Exodus, what I'm going to do for you coming out of exile, it's going to completely overshadow that, which came and brought a lot of excitement. And I got that. So what happened, as we went through last, um, last week, they came out of exile, they go back to their home um, in Jerusalem, and guess what? Everything that they thought was going to happen with this promise, none of it happens. So they're still waiting. They're still waiting for God to return to his temple. They're, they're waiting for God's, uh, for Israel's true servant to come. There is no exodus. They're still in exile. In fact, fast forward 400 years, and it's no longer like the Babylonians or the Persians or Assyria. It's now the ruthless Roman Empire that has this whole nation under their thumb. And if you know anything about the Romans, they are absolutely ruthless. They do not care. They are absolutely so dominant. They dominated the world. They had this, this Pax Romana, the, the peace of Rome, but it came by the sword, and they're living under the thumb of Rome. And what's even worse, they're made to pay taxes. Their money, they're made to pay taxes to Rome. And what's even worse, the temple where they are believing that God will come again, it is being defiled at the moment because the spiritual leaders are defiling it. They are not doing things according to as they are. And for 400 years, you've got all this happening. And not only that, you have this thing ringing in your ear for 400 years. God's saying, I'm going to, bring, I'm going to send Elijah. Before I come, and he's going to preach, and his preaching's going to turn hearts, but if his preaching doesn't turn hearts, I'm going to strike your land with a curse. Good story so far, right? Are you picking up where we are? This is the story of Israel. So imagine, all of this is happening for generations. And then after 400 years, a prophet appears on the scene. Now that's going to get your attention, isn't it? It really is. And we're going to read from Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 8 to see who this prophet is. So if you have your Bibles, why don't you crack that open? It'll be up on the screen. This is what Holy Scripture says. This is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. Look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare your way. Here's a voice um, shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had turned to God to receive forgiveness for their sins. All of Judea, including the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sin, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. That's really interesting. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. John announced, someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. You see, at this time when this prophet appears on the scene, Israel knew something was not right. Of course something's not right. They are still under the thumb of yet another empire. Something's gone wrong here. We're expecting this promise is unfulfilled and our current situation, our current predicament lets us know, you don't have to be too bright to figure this out, something's not right. Why else would we be in this despised situation under Roman rule? And it makes complete sense that as they're considering where they are, that they would remember the very last thing that God spoke to them, right? I'm sending Elijah to you. 
And look, and this guy, this prophet pops up and it says in verse 6, his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist for food he ate locusts and wild honey. Wow, this guy looks a lot like, you can speak to me. This isn't school, let's start next week or the week after. This guy looks like Elijah. Wow, things are starting to get exciting now, aren't they? Waiting 400 years, God said, I'm sending Elijah. Wow, this guy out there, he looks like Elijah. And imagine, and just, just picture where this guy is located. It says in verse 4, the messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness. If you know anything about the story of Israel and their God, the wilderness is a really significant place. A lot of cool stuff happens in the wilderness. I would dare say even now, a lot of cool stuff still happens in the wilderness. Did you know that if you feel that you have a call of God on your life, that you feel that there is something ahead of you, uh, let me just give you a little bit of encouragement. Do not be surprised if God takes you into a place of wilderness where he will form you and your character is coming together, where he is preparing you. Do not be surprised if he takes you in the outback of nowhere to prepare you for what he has promised you to do. That's for young ones if you feel ministry is in your call. Be encouraged. There you go, Tim. Out you go. <laughs> but in the wilderness, that's actually true, by the way. And what you actually need, um, you guys, was Luke. Somewhere around. What you guys need when you actually go through that wilderness experience, you need some older generations around you to remind you, no, the promise actually does still stand. This is actually part of God's process. And this is not God abandoning you. This is God believing in you and preparing you because every single character that God uses I mean look at David out in the wilderness look at Moses out in the wilderness that's just part and parcel of it you just need to make sure you have some great people around you who are older who can bring you wisdom in those times but they will come anyway Kylie you might still be in your wilderness right now but it's great to be in your wilderness because the time will come when you actually step into what God promised you good eh it's exciting anyway Wilderness sucks, by the way. <laughs> I feel like, I, I honestly feel like it's only in the last 6 to 12 months that God is actually bringing me out of my wilderness. And that was like, <laughs> anyway. But wilderness, repeatedly in God's story, um, it represents the place where God actually meets his people. It's a place of deliverance. It's a place, and, and because it's in the wilderness, because it is a place of God's deliverance, it's actually a place where um, God's grace is manifest. Because anywhere where God meets you, there's his grace there, right? So even though the places of wilderness are difficult, we meet God in those places of wilderness, right? And because we meet God in those places of wilderness, that is actually a place of grace. Paradigm shift. What am I seeing right now? This sucks right now. No, actually, I'm meeting God right now. This is a place of grace. So John's out in the wilderness, and John seems to be doing something really, really odd. For us, we don't even consider this, but he's doing something really odd. It says from verse 5, All of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John, and when they confessed their sin, he baptized them in the Jordan River. I don't know, like we don't, we don't consider this. This is really odd that John is in the Jordan River and that people are coming from Judea to John to be baptized because this is what happens. Gentiles, or people who are not of Israel, they get baptized into covenant with Yahweh, right? So we as followers of Jesus, we get baptized in. 
So why in the world would you get baptised in if you are already in? Odd, right? Well, think about Israel's story again. What was that big marvellous time? Exodus. What is that moment where God's people, somehow they are passing through the sea, the waters. They get to the other side of the Red Sea. They look around and what happens to their enemy? They are defeated. What a symbolic gesture. That as God's people pass through the waters, they look around and that empire, Egypt at the time, is destroyed. Keeping all this in mind, after 400 years, Elijah rocks up. People are getting baptized. They are passing through the water just to look around. My goodness, this is getting pretty exciting right now. Can you sort of try to pick up what is going through their mind? This place is literally electric. <laughs> you know, more electric than actually going to Optus Stadium and seeing the mighty West Coast Eagles defeat anyone else who would dare come. I can't say that of the Fremantle Dockers as yet. <laughs> What a symbolic gesture. They're thinking, we remember the time, what God, we remember what God did after our ancestors passed through the water before the deliverance, and now we are passing through water again. This is, this is a big story. Are you picking this up? This is a huge story which is unfolding right now. But as we know, all of this is just simply a precursor. As exciting as this is, it's just a precursor because Malachi 3 says, look, I'm sending my messenger and he'll prepare the way before me. Malachi 4 verse 5 says, look, I'm sending you Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. We know that, that John is just the messenger and he is just preparing the way for this king who is no other than Yahweh himself. So this little passage as we're going to go into fills us in in two things. First thing it lets us know about is something that we can anticipate to see in the life of Jesus as he goes about his ministry. And the second thing, which really pertains to us here and now in 2020, something that we can expect to receive as followers of Jesus. So the first thing is something we can expect to see in the life of Jesus. Second thing, something we can expect to receive. And that's what I'm hoping to land on later on um, in verse 8. So what can we expect Jesus to do? Now, this is going to make sense as we consider further on in the life of Jesus. And Malachi seems to be quite prominent. He's quoted in the, the first verse, Malachi 3 verse 1. And there's also this reference to Elijah, and we see um, John the Baptist come up dressed as Elijah. So Malachi, maybe Malachi could actually give us a bit of a heads up as to what's actually going on and how Jesus' ministry is going to be formed um, in line of what God has already said in Israel's story. Are you with me still? Are you sure? All right. I understand some of you may be thinking I'm taking you to Bible college, um, but this is just our story. You know what I'm saying? And it's cool. So Malachi, I got the book here. Malachi is placed here after exile, right over there. Malachi has a concern. He is especially concerned with the failure of the spiritual leaders or for the priesthood in their leading of God's people in proper worship. He's really concerned about that. 
It seems to be. Um, th- this is an interesting case where you can read books like Nehemiah and all that, and you can preach amazing stuff from Nehemiah. Then you go to the book of Malachi and you say, oh, wait a minute, there's actually some pretty bad stuff happening in this period of time. What's happening is that um, the priesthood, the spiritual leaders, are not offering God the best. They're bringing blemished offerings to God. The spiritual leaders are not teaching God's people God's way of appropriate living, or in other words, worship. Worship is not the half an hour of what we do here on a Sunday. Worship is our entire life. Our entire life responds to Jesus Christ, and that is worship. We know that, right? And they themselves, as the spiritual leaders of the nation, are not living appropriately as God's people themselves, let alone the leaders. And God takes this very, very seriously. And I don't even need to explain it. I'm just going to read some scriptures and you will see how seriously God takes it. Malachi 2 verse 1 to 3 says this, Listen, you priests. Who's he talking to? The priesthood. He's talking to the spiritual leaders. He says this, This command is for you. All right, this commands for the spiritual leaders. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of Heaven's army, or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you received. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you've not taken my warning to heart. I will po- get this. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with manure. You know, if this was written in Australian vernacular, what word do you think anyway? <laughs> hey, <laughs> this is scripture. I will splatter your faces with the manure from your festival sacrifices and I will throw you on the manure pile. Then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of heavens. I mean, I mean God's not mixing words here. You know, We might be separated with thousands of years, different cultures and all that, but I think all of us get that. God's pretty ticked off right now. You know, I'm going to get that stuff and I'm going to like chuck it in your face. <laughs> And after I chuck it in your face, I'm going to chuck you on it. (laughs) I'm going to bury you in it. But it's the priests, it's the leaders, it's the leaders that God has an issue with. Here's the deal. If you are a Christian leader, as I am, we need to take this pretty seriously. If you want to be a Christian leader, we need to take this pretty seriously. Same God, right? Same God. Amen? Amen? Same God. The responsibility and expectation on Christian leadership God does take that seriously. He does. As we read on, um, chapter 2, verse 5 to 10, he says this, My purpose of the covenant with the Levites was to bring life and peace. Isn't that amazing? The purpose was to bring life and peace. And that is what I gave them. This required reverence from them. And they greatly revered me and stood in awe of my name. They passed on to the people the truth of the instruction they received from me. They did not lie or cheat. They walked with me living good and righteous lives. They turned, um, and they turned many from lives of sin. Get this. The words of a priest's lips should preserve the knowledge of God. And people should go to him for instruction. For the priest is the messenger of the Lord of heaven's armies. But you priests, understand this, now he's talking to the priesthood in a time after the exile. But you priests have left God's path. Your instruction have caused many to stumble into sin. You have corrupted the covenant I made with the Levites, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So I have made you despised and humiliated in the eyes of the people, for you have not obeyed me, but have showed favoritism in 
the way you carry out my instructions. See, God's not happy here, is he? He's not too happy. <laughs> you know, there's defilement that's happening um, with God's people and his temple. And he's warning the priesthood. He's warning the leaders to change. He's warning them again and again, change, repent, change your thinking. And this is the context into which God tells Israel what he will do as a result. And as we looked at last week, Malachi 3 verse 1, which is quoted in Mark chapter 1, says this, Look, I'm sending my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Then the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant whom you look for so eagerly is surely coming, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I mean, how much more warning do you possibly need? I think as people of God, we have this history where we tend to be a little bit dense when it comes to our hearing of God and obeying of God. Anyone a bit dense here? Or is that just me? I can't lie, I'm up here to speak. I'm a bit dense. It seems we have a history of, of being like that. God is saying, you're seeking me to come and I'm going to come. I am coming. Will you be ready when I come? That's the whole point. Will you be ready when I come? So we take this information that we've learned from Malachi shortly, just a couple of verses and we get the picture of what's happening, don't we? See, Scripture is pretty powerful if you just read it. Right? So we take this information and we begin to understand what John, this baptizer, is doing, which seems so odd. What is John preparing? He is preparing the priesthood, the spiritual leaders of Israel. That's who he's preparing. Why is he preparing them? Because Yahweh is coming. That makes sense, doesn't it? Spiritual leaders have gone rogue. God's not happy. He says, okay, we need to get a little bit of alignment here. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my prophet Elijah and he's going to prepare the way before I come. He's going to preach and turn hearts, okay? So the purpose of John coming was to change hearts of the spiritual leaders. And then he says in Malachi, however, if hearts do not turn, then I'm going to come strike your land. Does this make sense? This is what's happening. <laughs> and then we discover in the life of Jesus that he actually does go to the temple a couple of times, doesn't he? And it all kind of makes sense now. <laughs> and um, I don't know, like for 400 years, warning, time and time again, warning. And it's actually the spiritual, it's actually the spiritual leaders that God is talking to. And John the Baptist coming on the scene, it seems to be that Israel's leader's response to this prophet, John the baptizer, the Baptist, will determine what happens when Israel's God returns to his temple. Their response to John the Baptist is the linchpin. Can you see that? So how do they respond? Not to move too far ahead. I know there's a lot of scripture. You can just listen to the podcast, okay? I'm just trying to get us into the story. All right. I don't, I don't, my, my intention is not that you memorize scripture. My intention is that we get into the story, that we understand the story. Because if we're in the story, then meaning and significance, and we understand everything else. But in Mark 11, verse 27 to 30, happens, Jesus comes back to Jerusalem. He actually went to the temple, caused a bit of a ruckus. Do you remember that? Yep. Caused a little bit of trouble in the temple. Before he did that, he was actually um, talking to a fig, a fig tree. Do you know that figs, metaphorically, speak of Israel? 
So when he's cursing the fig, I wonder what he's doing. Hmm. Okay. Keep that in mind. After that happens, he comes to Mark chapter 11, verse 27 to 30. He says, again, they entered Jerusalem. As Jesus was walking through the temple area, the leading priests, oh, there they are. The teachers of religious law and the elders came to him. They demanded, man, I wish, I mean, Anglo-Indians are pretty feisty, you know, nothing like Jewish people. I wish I could just like tell it as they would, the spit coming down their beard and just the eyes, the crazy eyes and all that. But just a picture of that. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? What are they talking about? He's just came and he's just tossed things around the temple. And you need to understand if, what Jesus did. Even if it was for just a couple of minutes, just by his actions, he brought a cease to the sacrificial system, even if it was for a couple of minutes. That machine came to a halt when he did that. They are ticked off. You know? They are so ticked off. They demanded what authority. And Jesus, his response, I love Jesus. Jesus, meek and mild, not in the Gospel of Mark. I'm sorry, you're reading the wrong Bible. I'll tell you by what authority I did these things. If you ask me one question, this is the question. Jesus replied, did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? And then he says, answer me. And you need to know Jesus I reckon there was a bit of curry on that as well, you know what I'm saying? I'm getting Jewishness and Indians got kind of mixed up here. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But, but, but understand, this is, the, this is the focal point. John the Baptist, where was that from? Because their response to John the Baptist, that determines everything else, right? Reads on and says, they talked among themselves. If we say it was from heaven... Then he will ask, why didn't we believe John? But if we dare say it was merely human, um, but we dare not say it's merely human, for they were afraid of what people would do because everyone believed that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things, and he walks off. For 400 years, this moment of warning has been ringing in Israel's leaders' eyes. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before I come. His preaching is going to turn hearts. If it doesn't turn hearts, otherwise I will come and strike the land with a curse. Things are not looking good for Israel, are they? Now, you can go and research your history and look through the Bible and you see that things do not turn out very well for Israel at all. Fast forward 70 years. What happens with the Romans, how they actually show their muscle. It actually, history actually tells us that they could not find enough trees for the, amount, for the amount of crucifixions they did. Not enough trees. Things are not looking good. So we can anticipate that Jesus is going to do something in the temple. Okay? That gives you a bit of understanding with that, doesn't it? All right? Second thing, what can we expect to receive? What can we expect to receive? Now, this is where this... Um, passage of scripture touches our lives here and now okay mark 1 verse 7 to 8 john uh, says this john announced someone is coming soon who is greater than i so much greater that i'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals i baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the holy spirit john recognized that his baptism was only a prelude of something else. 
His baptism demonstrated repentance and he was indeed preparing the heart, but the Holy Spirit was what would constitute this good news. Do you guys remember when you were water baptized? I remember I was young. It was in a, it was in a river. I went in and it was really slimy. That's, all, that's why I remember. I was young. I was in primary school when I got baptized. I remember there were two of my leaders beside me. They were older than me. I think they were like, they would have been in high school. They asked me a couple of questions. And they dunked me in. I just surrendered. They dunked me in. It was easy. Baptism in water was easy. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is just as easy. Just as easy. If you've not been baptized with the Holy Spirit, we're going to give you some opportunity. I think it's kind of cool. We have elders here. We've got prayers here. We've got Kylie here. For some reason, I've got my elder here. He happens to be a Sparky, Dave. You Sparkies like to be elders? I've got Doug here. If you are yet to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's not freaky, it's easy. And we pray for you. This promise of the Holy Spirit is something that is found throughout Holy Scripture. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I'll put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. It's a promise that's been throughout Scripture. There's a place in Numbers which happens in the time of Exodus. All the way back, Exodus. Two men, Eliad and Medad, in Numbers 11, they stayed behind the camp, they didn't, uh, they, but they were listed among the elders. They had not gone to the tabernacle, yet the Spirit rested on them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man came and reported this. He was a dobber, obviously, these young guys, they like dobbing on people. Came and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, we know Joshua, Joshua was son of Nun, who'd been with Moses, who was Moses' assistant since his youth, protested. Moses, my master, make them stop. And Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Promise from here. They've been waiting for the Holy Spirit. We all know about Peter in Acts chapter 2, acknowledging that what was prophesied in Joel, he says, What you see predicted long ago, by the prophet brought, um, Joel, this is what you see. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. They will prophesy. Isn't it so cool that God is not prejudiced? If you're a son, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. If you're a daughter, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. If you're old, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. If you're young, you're going to get the Holy Spirit. If you fall into those categories, guess what? You are going to get the Holy Spirit. Why? So you can prophesy. What does that mean? To bear witness right here, right now. Right here, right now. To be a witness. Right here, right now. What an incredible prophet. And let's be very clear, okay? Let's be very, very clear. 
that when John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Let's be very, very clear. Only God can baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Christology of this first eight verses in Mark chapter one is off the charts. How many times is he declaring Jesus is Yahweh? How many times? And they're all pointing to this moment in which we are living right now. When is the last time you had a vision? When is the last time you had a dream? Because Jesus came, He lived, He died, He was resurrected, He ascended to heaven so you can have visions, so you can have dreams, so you can be powered by the Holy Spirit, so you can bear witness to His name. When's the last time you had a vision? I have visions all the time. I have dreams all the time. Let me tell you something. That does not make me spiritual. That makes me normal. Anyone can do it. Anyone. Anyone. It's a promise of God. God loves you so much and loves me so much that He wants us to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't know. If you're here and you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, maybe today we can pray for you and you can receive that. Acts 19, when Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers from verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. You know what? Evidently, you could be a follower of Jesus Christ and never even have heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's what's happening here. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. We read about that. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe that one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. They're about 12 years. That's all we need to do. Very simple. You want baptism in the Holy Spirit? We just like, even like a finger, just put a finger, hold Jesus, fill on the Holy Spirit. Again, remember when you were water baptized, in and out, easy. Baptism in the Holy Spirit, easy. There's also a need for us to continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 verse 18 says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. That makes sense. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what many Christians do not understand. How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, Paul tells us how we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Get this, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. How are we continually filled with the Holy Spirit? By singing, making music, giving thanks. So it makes sense to me, especially I'm a bloke. I'm a pretty Australian bloke, right? I'm a sand groper. I was born here. I grew up in Armadale. You have to be tough. I'm pretty much an Aussie male, right? I'm a bloke. You get to talk to me and you figure that out pretty fast. I'm a bloke. But it seems amazing to me that there is a tendency, especially with us fellas, that when it comes to times of worship and all that, we don't want to sing. Well, you need to understand if you don't sing, you don't get filled. 
know what I'm saying? This is simple stuff here. It's outlined right there. If you don't make music in your heart, you don't get filled. If you don't give thanks, it says, give thanks to God in all things. You don't get filled. You know what I'm saying? So it makes sense to me that if I want to live in more of the power of the Holy Spirit, and even if we have a really elementary understanding of the Trinity of God, if the Holy Spirit is upon me and is in me, that must mean, get this, get this, get this, this is what it means. That must mean that I have the fullness of God with me and in me all the time, right? Unless you want to move into heresy and say, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit's a bit less of Jesus. Wait a minute. No, no, no. So how do I walk in more of that reality? Singing psalms. Making music in my heart. Praise God. I'm giving thanks. I know Christians. I've been a pastor 20 years. Rock up the church. Didn't like that music. Hey, we're not here to worship you anyway. You know what I'm saying? We're here to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And our response to that, I don't get like there are songs which I don't like. You know, Aaron leads the worship team at New Spring. There are songs I don't like, right? <laughs> How we respond to that? How are you going to sing? Make music in your heart. Because our response in those times will fill you. But if you think you're all good to go, nada. Um, and I know you because I know me. We need the constant filling of the Holy Does that make sense? So not only is this promise available to anyone, there is this need to be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit, which means when we come in times of worship, I'm going to be singing, I'm going to be praising, I'm going to be making music in my heart. You should see me in my car, you know? The, the crazy stuff. Just, you should see me when I'm in my house. I'm going to be dancing, I'm going to be praising, I'm going to be singing. And as I'm doing it, as I'm giving thanks, the Holy Spirit is filling me more and more and more and more and more. Does that make sense? So two things we get out of this passage of Scripture today. Number one, what can we expect to see Jesus do? He goes into the temple. He curses a fig tree, right? He tosses tables. He puts a curse on the land. We find that uncomfortable, right? But we see our history and we see that it does unfold. One thing we can expect to receive a free gift no strings attached the baptism and filling of the Holy Spirit I'm going to pray we're going to worship and if you would like the gift of the Holy Spirit I invite you to come forward if no one comes forward I'm good I'm still going to sing I'm going to sing psalms I'm going to praise God I'm going to get filled but if you would like that come forward I'm not going to freak you out I'm just going to place a hand and say Jesus fill him how about you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray and then we're going to respond to God's word and worship. Father, we do come before you in Jesus' name. I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, God. I thank you that we have the opportunity to open up Holy Scripture. Even as someone like me, that you can use me to make things articulate and bring understanding. And all I get and get understanding. I thank you for this church, Lord. That you love this church. And you're calling them on. And you've changed the diet. 
Father, I pray that there will be an insatiable appetite for your word that will grow in this place. I ask that we would see signs and wonders that come and follow the preaching of your word, the proclamation of your word. We continue to lift up the journey before us and we pray that you would bring the right shepherd, the right pastor, that you would continue to grant eldership wisdom as they look, as they search, and that you would bring a David into this fold who's probably out in a paddock somewhere or possibly, who knows, maybe even in this congregation. But you would bring the right person, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pass back to Luke. If you would like us to pray for you, why don't you come forward and... um